0: The rub that I see, and I was guilty of this, is they just keep hanging on. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to punt this decision to outsource this or hire somebody or use a CRM to next year. And then they just get more and more ingrained in that business. They're responding to immediate customer text messages. Or they're in their car, they take a call, and they write something down, and that doesn't get translated into the CRM system. You know, all those little fails add up, and you've got to know your business. I get that. But at some point, you kind of rip that cord and say, you know what, I'm going to go focus on key accounts or I'm going to go to more B&I meetings or whatever it is and let Free to Grow or whoever it is kind of take on that, that offering. Too many times they're just extending that, you know, I'm just going to grit this out. I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to put some more money in my pocket. But they're just kind of getting themselves more wrapped around the axle on the minutia every year.
1: Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields, like marketing, sales,
0: hiring, and leadership, to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now,
1: your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. We got a fun day along for you guys here. I got Charlie Falker on here again. Awesome guy. He's actually been to our headquarters here. He's visited. He's hung out. Amazing guy. Uh, Located (laughs) out of St. Louis, the one spot we're not in yet. How's St. Louis doing for you?
0: It's great today. It's sunny and warm, but uh, it's a great place to have a business. I grew up in St. Louis. I love being here, so would love it if you opened up shop here,
1: Tommy. You know, I got an interesting story about St. Louis, but I'll just go over some of your accolades here. Charlie's an expert of entrepreneurship management leadership, Uh, His company that he started and co-founded in 2019 to now is Free to Grow, and the the process behind Free to Grow is is simple. Allow your business, do what you do best, grow your business, and let Charlie take care of everything else. He was also the co-founder of RFP Testing, and he's done some things at uh, HBM Holdings, Corporate Development Associate. So he's a co-founder of Free to Grow, a company that provides back office support to service-based companies allowing the owners and operators to focus on their customers and growing their businesses free to go offers its customers, the services of a full-time office manager at half of what it would cost to hire someone full-time provides team support and it's cross-trained with staff. So interestingly enough, Charlie, there's a guy, Jim Abrams and Jim lived in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So they tell me, and at the time, uh, Jim was going door to door basically selling HVAC unit, add on units, and they were called Train. Train was the HVAC company that's still around. Well, back then, there was no such thing as an add on unit. Most people in La Crosse, Wisconsin, didn't have air conditioning. It was more important to have the heater in the summer uh, or the winter, I should say, than have the air conditioning in the summer. So what happened was Train actually partnered with General Electric somehow, and Jim got cut in line to be a high level at this company. So he said, where can I go to start one-hour air? And he said, what's really, really cold in the winter, what's really, really hot in the summer, so I can have a really big business in the HVAC and heating business. So he picked St. Louis. And that's kind yeah. of how one-hour air. And then they, did, <laughs> they did Benjamin Franklin with the plumbing, and then they did Mr. Yeah. Sparky. And he kind of paved the road in the 90s for what some of these bigger companies are starting to do today. So, some people would look at him as the godfather of the larger Conglomerates.
0: Yeah, I haven't met Jim. I've heard the name. I've certainly seen his business in and around town. So um, appreciate that successful company. And yeah, to, to your point of what we do, I, you know, I'm a home service guy. I kind of cut my teeth in the construction business. We were supporting uh, seniors through living at home, and so we did a lot of the stair lifts, did a lot of medical equipment, and built a nice company over a five year period. Ended up selling that company to a big national holding business and you know looking back after my sale, I'm like, man, I there's ways I could have run this business better. And I hired and fired five different CSRs. And I know we're going to talk about CRM systems today. Misused our CRM, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And so I basically looked back at my experience and, you know, was like, there's got to be a better way for most home service companies. Partner with a great friend of mine and, and have built free to grow and Having been on your podcast and this relationship, you know, I'm proud to present. We now support six home service expert listeners, and so hopefully we can build on that and add some more value out there.
1: You know, I we posted something the other day, and someone said, "Oh my God, Charlie's the best!" If you want a testimonial, one thing that I've known about you is you answer your phone the first ring. You're very punctual. The fact is, you have a big military background, and I think that's the coolest thing. Is you understand discipline. Eaters eat last. I think some of the coolest right. people I've ever met, they come from the military. They come from a very disciplined background and they know how to get stuff done. And the military really helps people figure that out. Tell us a little bit about your background with that.
0: Yeah. And thanks for asking that, Tommy. You know, I was a senior in high school when 9 11 happened, that had a huge impact on me. Actually, I got into West Point, which is where I went to college that week. So I was. Very serious about serving and did five years after West Point was in the infantry, proud to serve with the 82nd Airborne Division. And then I got selected to join the 3rd Ranger Battalion out of Fort Benning. I did four deployments all to Afghanistan. And when I got out, I moved back to St. Louis, where I am now, and went went to business school and have been an entrepreneur ever since. But you're right. I mean, the the lessons that you learn, leaders eat last, is certainly one that's, that's practiced. And I had a great commander in the military that told me about three foot walls. And anytime a lieutenant or you know enlisted person would come up to him, he'd say, "Well, that sounds like a three foot wall issue. Meaning that's something you should probably figure it out and step over." <laughs> and I've always felt like, to your point, of a lot of the military people I come across, that that they certainly appreciate a three foot wall and know what questions to ask
1: and how to get over that. So I appreciate you asking that, Tommy. You know, there's a good book by Jocko. What's his name? Willink. Correct. It's called Extreme Ownership. And he talks about when you're working in a battalion or any type of military, every move matters. You really are only as strong as your weakest link. The wrong call at the wrong time means lives. It's it's definitely taking it to the next level. It's every single thing you get ready, you plan on, you plan for, for that real time. And I feel like in home service, we don't do that at all. We're kind of reactive. We're like, oh, well, now I need to hire somebody. And then you hire the wrong person, and you don't plan on it, and you don't plan on these decisions. You know, I heard Navy SEALs. What happens is when they clear a room, each one guy goes left, one guy goes right, and they depend on each other. And one guy takes the lead; they hand off a hand signal, and now he's the leader. Anybody's able to lead if they get more intelligence. And I love it. You don't know who your leader is when you're in there, but you trust each other. And I just the whole thought of that thing for me is as the more I learn about it, the more I'm just infatuated with with what our, our military does and how to count on each other and how to work with one another. And I think that's just a great, it's something that everybody should read that book, extreme ownership, because as an owner, my trucks, I was not happy last time we did inventory and I I called the guys up. We were on a massive call, you know, several hundred guys. And I said, guys, I let you down. I'm the one who let this happen. I'm the one who let your trucks look like this. No one held you guys accountable. And it's my fault, and I do think there's a lot to be said about that whole concept of extreme ownership. What do you think about that whole man I, I couldn't agree more
0: and i I really cut my teeth as far as combat experience in the
1: Ranger regiment.
0: and you know the things that I really took away there was kind of dominating the basics. You know our junior officers and the enlisted men would never miss an opportunity, even if you're waiting to board a bus to kind of hammer the basics. and I think I've Tried to parlay that into business success, whether that was working on a battle drill or checking equipment or taking time to engage with a lower enlisted soldier. How are you? How's your family? Okay, you know, there was never like a a pause where nothing is happening. There's always something that you can do. And I think a lot of skills are perishable. And if you're not hammering them, you know, when we have our weekly huddles, kind of this radical customer service concept, we've got to preach that and consistently hit the basics. And if you hit them every week, it just becomes a part of the culture. But I, I learned a lot from enlisted men and women who just constantly were so focused on the mission, and there was no hanging around. If there were people were hanging around, something was wrong. There's a time to train, either get to know your people more. And I, I think I've really tried to continue that. Really, it's, it's an efficiency that was just phenomenal.
1: You know, you're so good at a lot of things. You're good at follow-up. You're ready to go at all times. And I appreciate that about you a lot. Um, (laughs) Well, thanks. So are you. So we really wanted to start talking about this whole session a lot about CRMs and and not using it the right way can really up-level one's business. Can you share some of the ways that, that CRMs say business is time and money? Yeah. CRMs, at the end of the day, I I
0: was doing some prep for this call, and and we have used or are using 10 different CRMs. So there's a variety of them out there. A lot of them are very similar. There's certainly some that are tailor-made for your industry or landscape management or tree service or dumpster rental or whatever it is. So there's a lot that are scratching certain itches. At the end of the day, though, it's garbage in, garbage out. And if you don't know what your KPIs are, you don't know how you want to schedule estimates, how you want to do lead follow-up, how you want to quote jobs, you know, you've know, you got to get a lot of that stuff ironed out before you could fully implement a CRM. It's going to be effective, and it's a tool for management. And that's one thing that we've noticed. And we've had clients that have, we've onboarded that it's almost good sometimes when they don't use a CRM because it's it's like teaching somebody how to shoot a rifle the right way. There's no bad habits. So if somebody's starting with us from scratch and like, boy, I'm I'm going to go all in on Jobber or Service Titan or whatever, you know, we can take best practices and kind of build that into their business. And then also on the flip side of that, if somebody's got some bad habits, we really can try to say, well, here's how we've done this with the past, with successful growing up service companies. Would you consider this and maybe train them on, on some of that?
1: You know, I had a podcast, it's been a few years now with Ara Modessi, and he's the ceo of service titan and he said one of the biggest misconceptions that we have in our business which is a crm service Titan, he said all these other industries and these other so-called gurus they come in and they say they need this they need this they need this it's the way it's always been and the fact is that we deal with billion dollar companies that have figured out the right way to do it you know someone comes in and they're like well we give a point if they get a review we give a half a point if they do this and we do this, this and this and this and this and and he's like the hardest part is to conform to the CRM, but know that it's the right thing. It's very, very difficult to say, we've done it this whole way. We can't change that. The guys are going to be really pissed off. But if you spend enough time on doing what a CRM is supposed to do and setting up for the way that they built it, it becomes extremely, very, very very profitable endeavor. It's when you say it doesn't work and you build all these workarounds and and these crazy things, which all of us have done. And what I would say to everybody is, if you don't love what the CRM is built to do, then find a different CRM. But don't rig it all up with these different ways. What are your thoughts on this? I agree completely. And I also think that a lot of
0: entrepreneurs can get kind of strung up. If they're, let's say they're doing diligence. They're going to pick a CRM and they've got five in front of them. And you know, they find one they really like, but maybe it's $20 a month more expensive than the other. And they go with the cheaper option that doesn't necessarily fit with what they need as a business. I think it's a huge mistake. It's like with the time you're going to spend in this CRM system and the profitability and the systems that can introduce, spend that $20 a month or whatever it is. That's a common thing that I see is a lot of entrepreneurs like, oh, my God, or they don't use it well and they get sick of it and they do something else. And it's just rinse and repeat without any sort of systems behind it.
1: All right. But here's a really question completely- from the audience here. I love Brent, by the way. We're, uh, he's got gutter kind coming up next week. So what's Charlie's go-to CRM? Just curious. Good question. I used builder trend when I was running my
0: small business. I think we were probably effectively using about a third of that, but that's that's a construction heavy, project management heavy CRM. Jobber's a big one. You know, there's one in St. Louis here called Less Annoying CRM. That if you're just kind of wanting to do basic lead gen and lead follow-up, that's a good one. Service Titan, you mentioned House Call Pro, LMN. I'd probably put a jobber and a
1: service Titan though if if push comes to shove at the the top of my list. All right. What are the most important things to consider when choosing a CRM? And uh, you know what? You answer one of them is price is irrelevant. I tell you what, I think service Titan's at the top of the price list, and it's less than a half a percent of my revenue. And it's responsible for a lot of my profit. So... I wouldn't put price in the scale, but people are always like, yeah, I just can't afford service tent yet. I'm like, that's like saying I can't afford a training center. That's like saying I can't afford a good phone system. That's like saying I just can't afford to do Google yet. It's like I can't afford uniforms, can't afford nice trucks, but why the hell are you in business? Yeah. What? Oh, one day treat your business like you want it to be Fake it until you make it. You know, <laughs> that just bothers me when somebody says they can't afford to do nice things to have the best, one day we'll work up to getting the right software to run our business. Really? <laughs> okay.
0: You know, you got to look at the industry. Is there any sort of experience with that CRM in the industry? If so, that's a big check mark. So certainly there have there, been a bunch of owner operators that have used that CRM for years and years and years. And implied in that is the CRM has bobbed and weaved to make it more friendly to that business. But, you know, there's going to be a variety of options. And my recommendation would be, you know, certainly do your homework, but I wouldn't make a decision on price if it's more expensive, but you know you're going to use it and get a return. That's just an easy decision. I still scratch my head with entrepreneurs that don't make that decision and are still forcing things into a Google spreadsheet or a cocktail napkin. It's an enormous mistake
1: it's amazing as I interview a lot of the people in the garage door industry who got on a service tight and they're like, we weren't getting the support. And I definitely recognize that. And the problem is, is you've got a bunch of people in the support team that have never ran a business. So we started Garage Door Freedom recently and Adam is a machine. Like Adam's in there right now, probably talking to someone at service tight, dialing in things. And I will say, I recommend service tight, but I will say, I don't recommend them If you don't have somebody that understands what they're doing, because unfortunately, you know, the fact is, if I was trying to run service tight it would probably fail, that's not my specialty. I'm not very good with the systems like that. I can work my way around certain things, but I'm not very good at it. And I think I recognize that. And some people want it to be super intuitive, but they also want all these other things. And it's like, you got to get the system set up right. And as long as it's set up correctly, you don't really need to do much in it. And I think that's the problem is exactly what you were talking about is most CRMs work well once they're set up to a great way to handle payroll, to handle a lot of the different things in inventory and how everything works. The biggest mistake is when someone says, I don't understand. Why didn't they set it up right for my business? Well, when you got on the phone, you told them how complicated your systems are and you wanted them to figure out that stuff. There's only one guy I saw come into businesses and fix them and that's Tom Howard and he'll make crazy stuff happen for Service Titan. He's come in and helped us out a lot too, but he'll come into large businesses because that's what he gets paid to do. So it's, a, it's yeah. kind of a test 22. I mean, what do you think about the setup and just getting everything dialed in? Yeah. I mean, you know, free to grow. Sometimes in our last two
0: home service expert clients, we're transferring into House Call Pro, a CRM we know well. And so we were actually able to kind of play that role of, hey, let's do it the way we've done it and have been successful with it.
1: So but here's yeah, a question. It, it, yeah. Charlie. I'm on your free-to-grow site. I see you do a lot of work for cleaning companies and nothing really for electricians. Do you work with electricians? I've got a call with Modern Electrical
0: Services tomorrow. It's a home service expert referral. I'm hoping we start working with it, but not right now, no. You know, tree care, lawn care, power washing,
1: window cleaning. Those you know what those 90% types of, of the cast- They would have lied. They would have said, yes. Yeah. 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 You didn't lie. And the fact is... I think that's amazing. You just said, no, we don't work with any electricians now. The fact is, I think you're going to be able to help a lot. You do an amazing job of being that back of the house, but you don't fit for everybody. And you'll tell people that. The best yeah. advice I could give is is give Charlie an opportunity to at least sit down and talk to him. And he'll tell you, it probably isn't a good fit for what you, you're looking for. But here, here's somebody. Do you remember the Miracle on 34th Street, the really old black and white movie? Not old school. And he would just say, we don't have that at this store and they start advising them to go to the other store, and no one could understand it because they got busier for it, it's because you're helping people out. You've been in their shoes, and you you say, listen, I'm probably not the best fit for you right now, possibly down the road, but here's what we do. And you're not right for every single person out there, right? We're not. And Alan, I
0: appreciate that question. You know, We're not supporting any electricians right now. I'd certainly love to talk to you. One thing that we have turned down several opportunities is... When we have a potential client that has a part-time office manager, CSR, just one part-time, and then they're, we're trying to figure out how does free to grow integrate with this individual, that hasn't worked out well for us, just to be candid. When we come in, we prefer to be kind of the one solution, the one throat to choke, so to speak. And we own that. I mean, to your point of total ownership, we want to own that back office portion, not say, well, you know, I thought this individual was doing this and we're doing that. It just hasn't worked out. So we tend to want to come
1: in and be the one solution. And if it's not, that's okay. It's not for everybody. What is this perfect size? Where do you feel like you got the most symmetry with what kind of company?
0: Home service, obviously. Owner-operator, probably more focused on sales and business development. Uh, a little bit sick of answering the phone, not putting information into their CRM, miss scheduling, missing calls, anywhere from two to six crews. So there's certainly an interest to grow the business. And I want to sound harsh, but I also don't want to really work for an owner operator that's kind of stuck or stagnant and has no interest of building any, anything past a two or three hundred k business. They're kind of taking everything out, and they're they're okay with that. Not a really cup of tea. We want a young, hungry owner operator that wants to grow. And we're very scalable. I mean, you know we have a flat rate model, and so if you go from two to three crews or two to four crews, we're not going to come back and say, "Well, now it's this." Yeah, I mean, that we love the owner-operator I and mean, people like, like me, like I used to be, wanting to grow and, and looking to kind of focus on their core business and outsource everything else. They can grow with working with us and outsourcing this function. There's more important people, typically, that owner-operators should be talking to on a daily basis, so if that helps.
1: Charlie had a, or Alan had a follow-up question for you. And I got some answers for this, but follow up. I see a ton of content for HVAC and almost no content or support for electricians. Why do you think that is? You know, I think electric right now for me, you're not going to find a bunch of people going after garage drawers. I started a podcast and I happen to own a company called a one garage Door service. Now I'm seeing a bunch of content popping up <laughs> and a lot of people are entering the garage drawer space. They're like, you motivated me to get in the business. And that's great. It really is. I, I want to see really great people come into this industry and charge the right prices, and and really run a successful business. But HVAC, Frank Blau and George Brazil in 1991 started an amazing best practices company called Star Network. These best practices companies work mostly with HVAC. That's the big dollar. And then they said plumbing, and now they say electrical. And so my belief is HVAC, you make $15,000 to sell a unit. Plumbing, you get some big tickets. Electrical, you still could too. But the HVAC guys, whenever I go to a convention, the HVAC guys are sold out. They're selling for 2000 bucks a ticket. They don't care. HVAC guys are glad to pay. They're like, who could I pay? They get sales training, 30 grand a week, no problem. That's why HVAC businesses, everyone goes after HVAC. That's why Grant Cardone is in the HVAC industry now. That's why Jim Abrams started it. That's why everybody I know is a millionaire in the HVAC industry. <laughs> straight up i have a guy that called me up he's done garage doors for seven years the, 10 years he says uh, seven million a year he called me up and he said tommy my first summer in hvac i did seven million he goes you'd be a billionaire like yesterday if you were in the hvac industry hvac guys go no no you don't understand it's it's way different it's hard tell me where the rich garage guys are they're everywhere i see for hvac but that's my point of view what is yours charlie yeah, I don't have a great answer. I'm not
0: well-versed in that in, with electrical businesses. I certainly know what you're saying on HVAC. I've got a good friend that owns a big, big HVAC business here doing plumbing and, and appliance repair. And I think there's also, so you get some big grand slams. You know, you see some big companies sell and there's big, big dollars involved. I think that can drive a lot of those, those concepts. Well, those, you know, those thoughts. Y- you need a few million dollars of EBITDA. <laughs> Yeah, and and you're
1: probably trading for trading for twelve times or something like that, and you know those are big returns. It's fascinating what I'm seeing out there. So, when you're setting up a CRM, and you're figuring out your strategy. Where do you start? What where do you start when you're looking and mapping and, and listening? And you know, ServiceNow is my fifth CRM, so I've been in this road before.
0: Yeah, and again, there's so many different user interfaces, but. Obviously, functionality is big. You know, free to grow is driving the ship. Maybe an owner operator doesn't necessarily have to worry about that. You're more focused on kind of the dashboard or KPI reporting. And I've got two really good senior leaders with free to grow that that would forget more about CRMs that I could ever know. But you know, I know you know data entry is big. So getting that lead gen list built, and then you kind of go through your process. Okay, so we got the lead entered. Is there any sort of follow up? Is quoting standardized? You know, we work with some window cleaners or power washers that may have kind of set pricing for square footage or or whatever the layout is. So pricing to quoting to lead follow-up to invoicing. And then maybe there's a you know interface with okay, the customer now is logged, we can do follow-up emails or specials or you know seasonality of the business, et cetera. So if those things are met within the CRM, it's typically a a good fit. So I, you know, we'll just go through the total, you know, sales or, or systems process of all of our small businesses to kind of put those in place.
1: I was on a a webinar earlier. We were going over KPIs. And I said, the biggest problem I see is call center. I literally was at the Wizard of Ads in Texas, Roy Williams. And he said, I've never really seen a call center that impressed me. And I've worked with hundreds of companies. And I said, no, you're right. I said, the problem is they're not using the VoIP system correctly. They're not nights, weekends. The calls are not booking enough per CSR. The utilization number is not right. There's so many things I look at. You listen to the quality of the call. They're not empathetic. They're not having fun. They're not, oh my gosh, Mr. Charlie, how are you? Wow. And it's like, when you hear a great call center, but then you got to give more calls to that person. You can do a weighted average round robin. There's a lot of things you can do. And I'm asking, what's your favorite KPI to all these people? And no one said call center. And we forget. We go, oh, let's pay somebody $12, $13 an hour. It's just the call center. We're worried about conversion rate. Someone falls below 80% conversion rate. We're like, oh, but yet the call center is booking at 63%. So you're paying for all this advertising. You don't think about the call center. Mm -hmm. It's the most underutilized KPI out there. I will say I love service time because I can look right now. I can scroll through my system. I got it right here. Right now, according to today, we're at an 86%. But unfortunately, right now, that's not including abandonment rate because those haven't been graded yet. So the next day I can see the abandonment rate and it's never perfect, but what's your take on call centers as far as the KPI? Well, we have a distinct
0: advantage versus call centers. You know, one, I don't like to think of us as a call center where typically, you know, you call in, you can get one of 20 different people and they're just kind of taking name, email, address. Okay, great. We'll follow up with you. The benefit that we have, and I think this is reflected in like our positive kind of tone or attitude with, with our clients, clients calling in is we're going to have one to three people working on an account, okay? So when they start in the morning and when they, you know, go home at night, they're focused on that business. So they one, they get to know the owner-operator. Two, they get to know the products and services, the service area, and they see the successes, you know? They look at that, hey, we closed this, or this was booked, or hey, we got a, the flyer that you put in the mail, here's the success. So we can tell over time they get more in tune with that business. And they're just happier when that business succeeds. And I'm not sure you get that with a generic call center where you have 15 different people answering that one number. But when you have a small, intimate group of people that really care, I mean, that's going to naturally reflect itself. You know, they see the the dashboards and the KPIs. And so
1: when they see that lever going in the right direction, that's a win-win. It is. It is. I had under 10 people in 2010, and I got my mom and stepdad to move out here from Michigan And thank God they were kind of like a free to grow for me. (laughs) It was like my personal (laughs) free to grow because I hated answering. I remember just going to the movie theaters and I still did it even when they were there, but it was so annoying. It was like, allow me to do what I do best. And when that stuff got out of the way, some of the operational things, you know, before Adam, I think we got to about five and a half million. And then he came on and he was able to really focus on the systems and really get that stuff out of the way. Let me do marketing sales and motivate and just really keep my eye on the ball of hiring and reading and getting more consultants. And I think that's what you guys do is let them focus on what they do best and get that crap out of the way. That's a nightmare for people because they go, I can't find good people. And when I do, they don't want to work, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure you probably have some really amazing success stories of just getting that stuff out of the way for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Tommy,
0: you obviously figured it out. And there was a point in time where everybody's bootstrapping and I get that. The mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make is they'll hire, just trying to be cost effective, they'll hire their a relative, their mom, their dad, their brother, whoever. And they'll just stick with that. And sometimes that could be great, but sometimes that could just be horrible. There's no accountability. <laughs> what are you gonna fire your, you know, your cousin? You know, you gotta see him at Christmas dinner. It can create all these problems. And I think accountability is the one. It's just keeping family and friends accountable can just be so difficult and nobody wants to have those tough conversations or uh, you know what the csr who's your relative will start taking time off care less about the business free to grow as a you know we can be fired or you can fire somebody that's a full-time csr so i I do see that with entrepreneurs that they hold on to that friends and family discount way too long and it's doing them a disservice
1: hey i hope you're enjoying the conversation with charlie I just wanted to let you know that we have a special offer from Charlie's company, Free to Grow, that I want to share with you today. So stick with us till the end and I'll reveal exactly how to take advantage of it. But if you're in a rush, just go to homeserviceexpert.com forward slash podcast forward slash Charlie dash Falkner, F-E-L-K-E-R, and check out this exclusive offer that we put together just for our listeners. Okay, now let's continue the chat with my boy, Charlie. Man, I'm getting some notes here. You got me thinking about a lot of stuff. So what's some low hanging fruits that just a lot of entrepreneurs are not doing when it comes to their CRM, if they have one CRM? And, you know, it's the day
0: to day entry, upkeep, maintenance. And I was guilty of this with Builder Trend. Builder Trend is a very robust system where I was just so focused on getting the lead in there and getting the estimate out. And maybe some of the project management fell by the wayside you know, if you're going to use a CRM, you got to know what within that CRM you're going to use. And if you're not, then you got to address that. But so the little hanging fruit would be just be the garbage in, garbage out. And that's what we bring to the table is that eight to five, you're going to get CRM management as a core responsibility of what we do. I think if you go a week and you're all excited
1: about it, and then the next two weeks, you're kind of just isn't going to do anything for your business. When it comes to reports and automations, one of the things I really like looking at, which is a little archaic, is called the Huddle Report that tells me what we're trending at for the month. I like to compare last year's numbers. I like to look at, am I getting enough calls for the guys? But realistically, I was just talking to one of my product development guys on this. Is I don't want a lot of guys for low performing technicians. They need to have less jobs. And my mentality is, when I get a market, you should see. What Phoenix does versus other markets because of all of our TV radio billboards. But what I love about a CRM is I can actually see conversion rates, average tickets. I can look at how many calls. I've got all kinds of analytics built in other things, like that's called UTM tracking perimeters. UTM, you should have that on all of your LSA, your GMB, everything. And it's amazing when you can track this stuff because you can start to see what happens to your Google My Business page, your local service edge, your PPC when you start doing TV, radio billboards, because those are hard to track. So quick piece of advice is put UTM tracking codes on everything. And those are the unique tracking metric, I think is what it stands for. But what are some cool reports and automations that business owners should be looking at? Man, we put one out to our clients every Monday, a call kind of disposition report,
0: you know, types of call coming in, and we can tailor it to what sort of business or what the owner is interested in learning. But What type of call was it? It Was it just kicking tires for a price? Are they wanting to talk to an owner? Was it spam? They want to schedule an estimate, reschedule, you know, whatever it is. So we send those out once a week. And then it's up to us to work with the owner operator to manipulate the KPIs or whatever. I told you about these 10 different CRMs. So it's going to vary. But, you know, if there's certain metrics like order rate or lead conversion, everybody listening kind of knows what I'm talking about. It's just going to vary, Tommy. But, you know, we have a two-week onboarding process where we're going to get to know the business, most importantly, but then talk to the owner-operator and say, hey, when the phone rings, what are the kind of things that you're going to be keeping tabs on? You know, if if you're worried about your pricing in the market and you're getting a lot of price quotes and they're not closing, maybe that's a conversation you got to have. But so there's flexibility. I mean, you mentioned how creative some of these CRMs are.
1: Your dashboard can make it work for you. And we, we do that. There's a lot of people that are in the top. Not imitated. Intimidated. (laughs) There's a lot of people that are intimidated by a Sierra. They're like, I'm comfortable with paper invoices. I don't need all these KPIs to run my business. I've been successful. And my best advice to them is, it's not necessarily change, but really what's happening is as we go in, it's actually keeping up. It's knowing what's going on in the internal. Let me tell you the scariest thing, Charlie, and I'm guilty of it. It's not going to get a physical. It's because you're afraid of what you're going to find, but it's, you can fix it when you find it. And it's not knowing what's in your bank account because you're actually scared. You're like, oh, I don't want to go into that meeting because I know it's not going to be good news. And it's almost looking the devil in the eyes and saying, listen, I'm here to beat you and defeat you, but it's tough. And I can tell you firsthand, my dad just lost his wife recently. They were really, you know, something special, 20 years. And it's, yeah, it's horrible. But thank you for that. And and so she had some symptoms and she decided not to go and go in. And then she passed. It was it happened within two months. And the moral of the story is if you don't want to pay attention to the things, I've been there. And it's almost the same thing as going to the doctor. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta look at your CRM. You gotta look at the KPIs. And even if you're afraid of it, you're afraid to get systematized. You have to. And Tell me a little bit about the people that are afraid of getting on technology and they're just afraid of what they're going to find.
0: Yeah, I think it's the same people that are afraid of technology. Probably if you looked at their QuickBooks account or wanted to look at a P&L or a balance sheet, it probably would look like a total disaster for the same reason that you just said. They don't want to know what their balance sheet looks like, how much debt they have, credit card statements, which your P&L, your balance sheet tell the story of a business. I would bet those two coincide pretty darn closely. Somebody's afraid to take two weeks and learn a new technology. I could be wrong, but I would imagine their revenue hasn't really grown and they have don't have a good grasp on, you know, their marketing spend or is their marketing efficient. Yeah, those are kind of obsolete businesses in in my opinion, especially within home service industry. Maybe some old school retail outlets can get away with that, but Certainly in this industry that's getting, in this segment of the economy that's getting more and more competitive, man, if you don't have a grasp on what you're spending and dollars in and dollars out, which CRMs can do that, you're probably losing
1: share. Here's a comment for you uh, by Jeff. We are franchising. Is this more effective than hiring in-house CSRs in the beginning? Yeah, Jeff, thank you for the question. Our biggest partners are franchises.
0: That's 60% 60% of our, our businesses revenues are, are through franchises. Most franchisees are on the more sophisticated side, understand that they have a core you know, competency and that's probably going out and growing the business through sales or business development, whatever. And they're gonna outsource everything to us. And on the scalability perspective, you know, we have one franchise that we support 15, well, soon to be 16 different locations across the country. And we can build a team around that franchise and we've done that. We have a team of three to four people that just answer calls for that individual franchise. So certainly understanding the business and the types of calls that are coming in, we dominate that CRM. A new franchisee signs up, we're going to know more about that business than typically they do for a period of time. So before you hire in-house, we'd love to talk to you because we know the franchise model really well.
1: So guys, if you want to see the key summaries, uh, they're going to be available once this is all transposed on homeserviceexpert.com forward slash c for charlie so c felker f-e-l-k-e-r then the number two since this is the second one so com forward slash c felker then the number two uh, now i'd like to focus more on customer service for the home service businesses first off what does having a consistent customer service presence mean
0: yeah one of our big value propositions is you know we're not going to be absent I don't have any hard data on this, but I bet absenteeism with CSRs is probably ten to twelve percent for people that hire in-house sick days, you know, Mondays taking time off. I got the Mondays, hungover, whatever it is. You know, we just take federal holidays off. So it's our job to be there other than a federal holiday. We're going to be there eight hours a day. We're working towards covering weekends. You know, when we started free to grow, we' we were a five day, kind of eight hours a day business. We've gotten demand
1: now to focus more on some weekend coverage. What are things that businesses need to have in place in order to be able to have that in their business? I guess we're talking about customer service presence. You know, uh, Alan, the, who asked about electricians, we've
0: started to work with HVAC companies, companies uh, company, Smart Air Solutions. Tom Cox in Oklahoma City was a home service expert listener. So hi, Tom, if you're listening. We've started supporting Tom. And when we onboard a client or start the partnership process where we're going to look at call volume, number of crews, what sort of CRM are you using, what's your staffing, et cetera. And, you know, we'll have a minimum. We're working with Tom. It's a thousand bucks a month because Tom just started a HVAC business in Oklahoma City. He's got marketing bucks. He's buying a truck. He's got a new rent. So we're going to work with individuals to be cost effective for a period of time. As I knew that you're going to have capital, you got to invest in the business. Yeah, you've got to have dedicated CSR resources so you're not missing phone calls when they come in or, you know, we'll manage lead channels via email or Facebook or Home Advisor, et cetera. So, you know, it doesn't take much. We work with plenty of companies that are in that
1: startup phase. So what are the consequences of not having this? I mean, literally, like I've seen this a million times. I don't think people really understand. They just say we get to a lot of the calls, but we're not going to work past 6 We're not going to do weekends. And oh my gosh, I've met a lot of business owners that have been successful in the past, but really not the future, I guarantee you. Let's just say, we like to give our employees time off, and therefore, we're going to take care of our employees, but not our customers. I like to do both. But what are the repercussions, the consequences of not having a consistent customer service presence for businesses?
0: Owner-operators have got to know their craft. So they've got to know whatever industry they're operating in from a technical perspective. The rub that I see, and I was guilty of this, is they just keep hanging on. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to punt this decision to outsource this or hire somebody or use a CRM to next year. And then they just get more and more ingrained in that business. They're responding to immediate customer text messages, or they're in their car, they take a call, and they write something down, and that doesn't get translated into the CRM system. You know, all those little fails add up, and you've got to know your business. I get that. But at some point, you kind of rip that cord and say, you know what, I'm going to go focus on key accounts or I'm going to go to more B&I meetings or whatever it is and let Free to Grow or or whoever it is kind of take on that, that offering. Too many times they're just extending that, you know, I'm just going to grit this out. I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to put some more money in my pocket. But they're just kind of getting themselves more wrapped around the axle on the minutia every year.
1: So when you're there, you dedicate a person to a company. Explain that kind of how that looks. So what are these people doing the whole time? They're answering phones. They're entering CRM data. They're probably yeah. doing some dispatch work. What does it look like? I'm just trying to help everybody get a vision of what this person's doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. So inbound, outbound calls, You know,
0: lead follow-up, certainly taking that call and getting the information to the CRM, following that systemized process that we have built within that CRM. Responding to emails, crew management, scheduling—we're big proponents of Slack. Okay, so oftentimes even Slack can integrate with our CRMs, where we'll have direct dialogue with owner operators. And I get a key account calls in. You know, we'll say, "Okay, this account called in. I'm transferring you right now," and we'll catalog all this into Slack. We use Slack as basically a ongoing line of communication on a daily basis. So. Let's say you've been out in the field all day or in sales meetings, whatever the owner's doing, they can get back in the end of the day and see exactly what happened in the course of their business. Yeah, I mean, we're doing everything essentially, Tommy, on the back office except for bookkeeping.
1: Um, yeah, I like that. Lead follow-up, I think no one does a really good job of. I think that's probably one of the things I always talk about is ref, build rapport, educate, follow-up. No companies that I've seen, not really. I mean, there's certain companies like Leland Smith out of – Southern the California service champions, he's got that systematized. And then outbound, I don't think enough people are calling their past customers and saying, hey, do you need me? Just that alone, I've got a buddy in Texas that does not do advertising. He just relies on old customers. If you just hired one employee from Charlie's team and said, Charlie, I want you to keep me busy, I bet you guys could do If you had a decent database to work with, you think that's something you could probably do?
0: Absolutely. We do that frequently, you know, and to piggyback on that, we also get, you know, stuff happens throughout the course of a day. Okay. This crew is going to be 20 minutes late or there's an accident. And a lot of our up calls is clearing that kind of stuff up, which I know technicians can drop the ball, etc. That's a big portion of our day is reaching out to customers. That dialogue, if you don't reach out, that has an impact on your business. Why, why is this person late? All of a sudden that snowballs in some
1: big fire that you've got to put out.
0: Those little things
1: matter. And we do that. You, well. you can do anything. Like if someone called you up and said, Charlie, I like what you're doing. I got 100 clients a day. I want you to call. I want you to basically be like a, a mini secret shopper for me, and then ask the clients for reviews if they're happy. You could do something like that, right?
0: Oh, we just did it for uh, Mountain View window cleaning, another home service expert client, Jordan Piles. Jordan's listening. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> and uh, he gave us a list, posted a list in Slack, and our team leads for that account went through and highlighted them and, and cold called. And I wish I could post, we got a Slack from him and say, hey, I just booked these five jobs from these calls today. So keep it up. That's certainly a big part of, you know, what we do. But again, you know, if Jordan wasn't organized and hadn't cataloged those names, numbers, all that stuff, into CRM,
1: all that would have been, you know, would have been fairy dust, gone. So it sounds like to me, you're pretty much willing to take on anything a business owner just Probably knows they should be doing, just doesn't have the time to do. Yeah. It sounds like to me, it's mostly like just more of the back end, except for bookkeeping. So lots of different yeah. things. Could be updating a blog. I bet you guys are doing content writing, but just the things that we don't get enough time to do as business owners.
0: Or 90% of what we do is going to be dominating the phones, dominating your CRM, managing your calendar, constant communication in Slack, You know, lead
1: follow-up. I mean, those are the big... You you know, those are huge. There's those so are the much big things money. that we do. Yeah. I've seen companies double by just getting this part figured out, by taking advantage. You know what? I'd love to see in the comments right now, and I'd love to pull some names out of here of just people that probably aren't doing a great job like me. Like I've got so many new customers coming in that need a ton of big service. I think we're not taking advantage of some of our list. And I mean, you know, my list is about 400,000. So. I mean, it's massive because we better get working on that right now. No. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're doing some cool things with it with automation. But at the end of the day, I think this service that pays for itself. Would you say that most your clients would say that they're making a very very healthy profit?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, Jordan, uh, that's my, the Mountain View in California, he paid for himself with us with those five you know estimates that he booked, and our team knows that. And you know, it, it feels good when we get a task or, or something assigned to us by an owner operator. And again, we see that needle move and then we see that slack. Hey guys, nice work. Just book these five estimates. You know, our team gets more enthused with that client. And that's reflected when the phone rings. You know, it
1: feels good to want to help somebody. You guys don't do any like list buying where you'll buy a list and just cold call. No, if you have a dedicated list of existing or previous
0: customers or uh, a list that you pulled with specific information. We have no problem going through that list and, and doing outreach.
1: Yeah, I would say you would want to be a little warmer list. What about, this is not on what we're supposed to talk about, but you know, right now everybody seems to be having a hard time hiring. And they're probably wondering what your secret sauce is. How do you find great people that are engaged? Do you got any advice on something that's worked for you really, really well in the last year to find amazing people? Yeah. I mentioned this on our last podcast that we've certainly had
0: people that haven't worked out like most companies. Our biggest successes have been referrals uh-huh. or recommendations from existing team members and team members that have been there for six plus months where they can really vouch for us. And, you know, we've done some good things to really kind of build culture. We really empower. I mentioned we have these two great people, John and Mallory, who kind of are account managers and our training supervisors. And we we kind of Nathan and I, our, my business partner, really step outside when we have our weekly huddles. We let them run the show. And we'll kind of pour water on whatever we need to do or support them. But, man, we've really let them run with things. And so there's complete ownership from our key employees. I'm sure we'll stub our toe with future hires. But our best hires have been, you know, hey, Maurer, hey, John, who do you know that might want to work for us? Oh, yeah. Talk to Sarah or
1: Mike, whoever. That's been our, our best recipe. You know, it's funny. I just graduated 20 some odd guys. And I said, guys, before we go eat lunch and they're actually bowling right now, I'm going to be meeting them and they get a big, (laughs) they get a big prize if they beat me. One guy finally beat me in our graduation class and they framed this to let them know that they beat me. Anyways, I said, guys, listen, I'm creating an internal promoter program and you guys make $1,500 for every person you you recruit, but I'm going to help teach you guys, listen, everybody's big on something. Maybe you're in a softball group. Maybe you go to a certain bar every week. Maybe you're a big member and you step in for the church all the time. You're, you play the band there. Maybe you're good on Instagram. Maybe you're just, you love TikTok. Maybe you're outgoing and you can go to a B&I group. Maybe your husband or your wife is a huge realtor. Maybe you're a member of your HOA department. So all of us could get more garage or jobs and all of us could find great people. Next time you're getting a haircut, look at your, beautician and see if she's doing a great job and offer her a position let's get right along so let's work on this because i'm glad to pay you guys i said what happens charlie tell me what would happen if every one of my employees found an a player this month and we hired them what would that look like it's pretty easy math what would happen to next yeah. month what would we be you'd be doing great we'd be double we'd double yeah. our company yeah. if every single employee found one other person we double in size yeah. and it's my job to get the leads and it's not that hard our marketing department. But just think about that. The companies out there go, now what would happen if each employee was able to get 10 leads a week? Yeah. Find one employee and get 10 leads a week. They say, oh my God, that's impossible. Our our employees can't get leads. If you don't have attribution, then you don't bring it up. We've got a huge check we give the employees and they hold it up. That's actually something I need to talk about at this service, service time speech. But yeah, I think it's so important to get your internal people recruiting. And I think that's just something that we all We kind of just say, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, but we never do it.
0: Yeah. uh, On the flip side, retention is so important too when you've got, you know, really talented people. And something that I think you guys have built with great culture. And I sit, you know, back to talking about the military, the military and the army in specific had these family readiness groups where, like, okay, we've got to train the soldiers, but there's a family behind this person that we've got to take care of too. And I've seen some pretty creative concepts where, when the family feels like the company's taking care of somebody, like we were considering having uh, monthly cleanings for our employees, so if somebody comes in and cleans their home once a month, John or Roland, you sponsor you sponsor yeah. yeah, I mean those are great ideas. so you sponsor a family dinner, so the family gets together like, okay, I see how free to grow, or a one's taking care of our family collectively. I mean, I think those go so long, and so far
1: so you know how I kind of wrap things up here. I've got a lot of notes, man. I love podcasting because it kind of gets me thinking about stuff too. And it kind of reminds me of stuff. And just the difference between me and most people is I don't have the failure to implement. I will take these things and give them to the right people. And there will be exact follow-up. It'll hit my calendar in five minutes after I get off of this. And there will be things that get done. Everyone else might be taking notes, get a good idea. They'll put it somewhere. They'll say, hey, listen, maybe I'll give it to the note fairy that they could go grant it one day. Now, that's not how this works. It, the people that are listening that want change, they're going to book an appointment today. They're not going to wait till next week and their schedule clears because tomorrow's the best day to start. And then it turns into next month and then the month after. And maybe next year, will, my dreams will come true. Maybe if I keep hoping and wishing. You know, Tommy's doing a lot for us. We listen to him all the time, but they don't implement anything. And it's the implementers that call me up and they're like, dude, when I started listening to your podcast, I was doing 1.2 million. I was working. I was a bad dad. I was a bad coach. I was a bad husband. Now I'm doing 12 million. I get these calls all the time. And this is what it's all about. One yeah, of the guys came in here. He said, dude, to get to 5 million, I listened to your first 30 podcasts. To get to 10 million, I listened to the next 50. That was pretty cool. <laughs> it's awesome, man. So somebody wants to reach out to you, Charlie. They want to call you. They want to get a hold of you. They want to book an appointment with you. What do they got to do?
0: Yeah, look, I'm sure my email will be posted. Cell phone—that's the best way to start. And all the relationships we've had through, you know, your podcast and your network have come through there. So I'm sure that'll get posted, and we'll schedule a call. It's a relatively informal process. I really want to get to know and figure out a, what's bugging you and what your problems are, and how do we help you? To your point, get from one to two.
1: Yeah, that's great, Charlie. I love this stuff. Yeah. I really do. I think you're one of the guys. Listen, I recommend a lot of companies. I recommend Schedule Engine. I recommend E Squared. You know, I actually, I'm working on a document that gives my best books to read. I'm sharing some things like an NDA, mutual NDA, non-competes. I'm trying to put everything into this system because, you know, I'm getting really good at building manuals. And I just get all these people that ask the same thing. So I'm like, I'm just going to create a resource for everybody and you'll be on there for sure. But I only recommend people that I really, really like that answer their phone that have done an amazing job. And I know for a fact that you deliver great service, and you stand by, and you're not going to BS people. And I can appreciate that a lot. Is there any books that you've read that we have to read that you really recommend? Man, I'm reading one right now that is uh, Ray Dalio,
0: The Changing World Order. I know Ray Dalio is big in the capital markets, and has written principles and other books. Yep. So very topical book, especially with current events and a lot of facts and figures. It's taken me a long time to get through it. But He's a worldly guy that I think that's important. I think reading about business is helpful, but sometimes you got to step back and look at kind of macro trends. And that that book is certainly that.
1: Yeah, his books are not small. I'll tell you no. that. I mean, <laughs> his, like the audio book was like 40 hours or something. So we talked about a lot of things. We really spent a lot of time about CRMs and just making sure you show up for your customers. Make sure you have somebody there what I like the most about this conversation is just things outside of the box, like doing follow-up, like outbounding to your people and telling them, do you need your yearly service? I think we always go to these external sources and we try to find more business when we have it. Do you know how many customers we call and we follow up and they say, we're using you because you followed up? Like, how many people are listening right now that aren't doing a good job of following up? How many people are listening that don't answer the phones past 6 p.m.? How many people are listening that just don't haven't had their CRM figured out yet? You know, we talked about a lot, but I'll let you kind of close us out with maybe something we didn't talk about or something you really wanted the the listeners know.
0: Yeah. You know, Tommy, I love our partnership, love supporting you, hope for a resource. If there's somebody listening that we can help, you know, reach out to me. You know, we mentioned early on stuff that I learned from my time in the service and dominating the basics. That's lead follow-up, that's answering the phone, that's talking to customers in a positive way. If you don't know an answer, you'll get back to them. It's all those lessons that aren't hard. It just kind of takes consistent approach. And I hope we can help people with that. And I'd love to support an electrician at some point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you will. You know, you're a man of your word and I can't stress that enough. I really like when you show up, you get a firm handshake, you're trustworthy. Everything I would say that I'd recommend in a person. And, you know, there are times I have people on the podcast and I've used them before for different things, but they're not relationships like me and you have. So Thank you for coming on and doing everything you do. And, and I think you take care of people. And I, I don't think you'd be where you are today if you didn't. And just the fact that there are hard conversations. There's stuff sometimes that don't make the order perfect. And sometimes they hate CRMs. But it's impossible to please everybody. And you do a great job of pleasing who you work with. So thank you for coming on today. And always get a lot out of these. All right, Tommy. Love seeing you, man. All right, brother. And please. go win your bowling match. I'm going to try. <laughs> we'll see you later, brother. Hey, I hope that you're enjoying today's podcast with Charlie Faulkner. Now, listen, if you're feeling stuck with all these administrative tasks and you can't find a way to grow your business into millions of dollars fast because you have to do it all yourself, then free to grow is the solution you need. They essentially take care of the entire customer interaction without the owner operator having to be involved. From filling the call to scheduling the estimate to booking the project and invoicing the customer, They do it all for you. And the great news is that we put together a special offer for our listeners. If you go to free-to-grow.com forward slash HSE, that's free-to-grow.com forward slash HSE, you'll get 50% off on your startup fees. So if you want to get out of the field and grow your business faster, go to free-to-grow.com forward slash HSE and book a call now.